0: Welcome to Nomadicate, a podcast all about exploring how different cultures, things, ideas, and even people shape and define our lives and our world. You're listening to your host, Katie DeVell, and today we're going to be talking about emotions. In this episode, we're going to define what an emotion is, talk about different emotional experiences, learn the difference between basic and complex emotions, Discover how different cultures express grief, and explore the evolutionary purpose of why humans experience emotions. Thanks for dropping into Nomadicate, and thanks for choosing to be a global citizen. If you liked my previous episode, please consider leaving a review, it would be really appreciated. This episode is inspired by my own roller coaster of emotions, really, throughout my life. But more recently, in a short time span, I've undergone a lot of life changes. My father passed away, I moved back to my home state, and I'm in the process of recreating my life. In response to all these different events, I've experienced waves of heavy grief, tremendous love for my family and friends, gratitude for everything I do have, as well as an underlying fear about the unknown counteracted by glimmers of hope about the possibilities ahead. It's been a lot, and life has a tendency to throw a ton our way, sometimes at very unexpected moments. As we hit milestones and experience other life changes, emotions serve a very important role in helping us self-regulate and cope. Think back throughout your life, and think of all the positive and negative emotions you've experienced. The excitement you felt when you first learned to ride your first bike, The overwhelming sense of love you have or had for a partner, family member, or friend. Think about the scariest moment in your life, your greatest regret, or your proudest moment. Emotions, which can either be basic or complex, serve a purpose in some way or another to help us better survive and thrive. And while there's a broad spectrum of emotions, not all cultures perceive, express, or experience emotions the same way. So, without any further ado, let's dive into the episode. So, first off, what are emotions? Well, to me, emotions are just feelings triggered by a thought or an external stimulus, but it's more complex than that. And it turns out, emotions aren't the same as feelings or moods, and emotional experiences can be broken down into several components physiological responses, subjective experiences, and behavioral responses. Let's take a closer look. According to the article, The Science of Emotion, published by the University of West Alabama, emotion is defined by the American Psychological Association as a complex reaction pattern. It involves behavioral, physiological, and experiential elements. Experiential just means relating to experience or observation. But that's kind of a complicated and vague definition. In simpler terms, an emotion is the raw sensation we feel in our body in reaction to something. It can be triggered by really anything, even a thought. A feeling is what we label the emotion. And a feeling can vary from person to person, despite sharing the same emotion in the same situation. I like the way Dr. Rachel Allen explains it in her article, The Important Difference Between Emotions and Feelings. It's published on Psychology Today. Dr. Allen explains that feelings are the result of thoughts, and they're influenced by our emotions. Feelings can sometimes be inaccurate because they're often based on our life events and fears of the future. Feelings vary from person to person because, well, we're all different. And everyone has a unique history, and everyone has unique personality traits. She gives the example of being at a party. And it's really helpful when we think about emotions. Imagine you're at a party where you don't know a ton of people. You see an ex from across the room, and you start to realize that you're having a reaction in your body. There's a restriction in the center of your chest, your breathing changes, and you have a knot in your stomach. It's uncomfortable. This is where it gets interesting. Depending on the history of the person and other factors, people can have different so-called feelings to the same situation and bodily reaction. One person could label their emotion as embarrassment or awkwardness, while another person labels it as excitement or enthusiasm to meet new people and even catch up with their ex. When I think back to all the social gatherings I went to when I was younger, I definitely labeled my emotions more negatively while some of my friends were thriving in the same situation. Come to think about it, that's still kind of the case for me. When I go to parties or events, my anxiety usually kicks in, I tend to do an Irish exit and retreat into sweet, sweet solitude. A lot of my friends don't feel the same way. But anyway, according to the University of West Alabama, moods are distinct from emotions and feelings. They report that moods are instigated by stimuli that don't have a specific starting point. A mood is defined by the APA as any short-lived emotional state, usually of low intensity. Before moving on, I wanted to explore another way of thinking about emotions. As we talked about, emotions are bodily sensations, sparked by a reaction to something. And these reactions are typically felt in specific areas of the body, And there's been studies pinpointing these locations called emotional body mapping. Body mapping can help us better understand our emotions, and it can help us better control how we interact with the world. According to the article, Where Emotions Rest in Our Bodies, published by the website Greatest, Enrico Glaring and his colleagues conducted a study in 2014 asking 701 people to identify which regions of the body where they felt decreased or increased emotional activity in reaction to various stimuli. They colored these regions on a body silhouette, very much resembling a heat wave map, and the study concluded that 13 emotions typically showed up in the same area of all the participants' bodies. Listen to see if you've had similar experiences. For example, love radiates throughout the entire body, but it isn't really felt in the legs. Happiness Is also a full body sensation. Sensations of anxiety are generally activated above the pelvis, excluding the arms, and are centered in the chest. Have you ever felt depressed? Feeling sluggish and not wanting to move? Well, the map shows sensations of depression are activated mainly in the arms, legs, and feet, with some activation in the chest and head. Want to fight because someone said or did something infuriating? Sensations of anger showed up brightly in the upper half of the body and arms, with lower activation in the legs and feet. It's helpful to understand the difference between emotions and feelings, because it helps us tune into our bodies and reframe our feelings so they serve us, not limit us. Emotional experiences can be broken down into three main categories. Physiological responses, subjective experiences, and behavioral responses. According to the UWA's article, physiological responses have helped our ancestors survive throughout history as our bodies create an involuntary reaction from the automatic nervous system. Think of fight or flight and how our hearts beat faster when we're afraid. Subjective experiences are the root of all emotions. It's basically the experience that causes the emotion. Like we've talked about before, a feeling, which is the result of an emotion, can differ from person to person because experiences are subjective. It's subjective because a person's taste, opinions, backgrounds, and personality traits are influencing their perception of the experience. Culture also plays a role in this category. Then there's behavioral responses, which are expressions of emotion. Think of a smile or a laugh. Behavioral responses are heavily influenced by culture, personal upbringing, societal norms, and personality. Facial expressions are universal, but some expressions of emotions, such as love, vary across cultures and individuals. Behavioral responses are critical in communicating to the people around us, but they're also important to our well-being. Have you ever heard someone say, don't hold your emotions then? Well, that's really good advice. According to the article, holding in our emotions has a proven negative physical effect. According to one study in the Journal of Abnormal Psychology, people who suppressed emotions while watching negative and positive emotional films had physiological effects, such as elevated heartbeats. This suggests that expressing our emotions, both negative and positive, can benefit our overall health as long as it's done in a healthy way. Now that we've talked about what emotions are and different emotional experiences, how many universal emotions are there? Which complex emotions can be influenced by culture? As the UWA's article talks about, emotional psychologists believe there are two main types of emotions, basic and complex. As you might guess, basic emotions are clear, innate, and universal. Complex emotions, on the other hand, are made up of two or more emotions they're harder to identify and communicate, and they can vary greatly across individuals and cultures. For example, love and grief are very complex, and not all cultures or people within the same culture express it the same way. It's hard to pinpoint how many basic emotions there are, but we'll take a look at Paul Ekman's six basic emotions. Then we'll dive deeper into a more recent study. I'll give you a second to try and identify the six emotions. What'd you come up with? According to Paul Ekman, the six basic universal emotions are sadness, happiness, fear, anger, surprise, and disgust. All these emotions have corresponding facial expressions, but only six basic emotions seems pretty limited. And a new study published by Greater Good Science Center suggests that humans actually universally experience 27 distinct basic emotions. In the article, How Many Different Human Emotions Are There?, Yasmin Anwar explains this study. She states that the findings were based upon over 800 demographically diverse men and women who watched random silent videos, lasting from 5 to 10 seconds. These videos were meant to spark an array of different emotions, and they contained various content, such as natural disasters, births, wedding proposals, death and suffering, among other topics. Besides finding that there are 27 distinct emotions, the study also concluded that emotions are way more interconnected than we thought. For example, the faculty director of the Greater Good Science Center, Dr. Kelter, believes that, in quote, there are smooth gradients of emotion between awe and peacefulness, horror and sadness, and amusement and adoration. But who really knows how many basic or complex emotions there really are? There could be tons more. Emotions are difficult to define and study. And I think that as more studies are conducted, there's going to be more than 27 basic emotions. One professor and psychologist who is actually a pioneer in emotion theory named Dr. Robert Pluchik, I think that's how you pronounce his name, claimed humans actually experience around 34,000 emotions total. That's quite a lot. But rather than diving deeper into all of that, I wanted to explore how different cultures express some complex emotions such as grief. I lost my dad in April, and I've been experiencing grief as a new emotion. It's really hard to describe, but I can tell you where grief is experienced in my body. It's deep in my lower chest, by my heart. It's weighty, consuming, and actually passing. It comes and goes depending on how busy I keep myself, And it's triggered by a variety of things. But you know what other emotion that gives me a similar sensation? Love. Hopefully all of us at some point or another have experienced love. It's the pulse of life. And I like to think that love and grief are closely interconnected. There's one quote by Jamie Anderson that I really like. It reads, grief I've learned is really just love. It's all the love you want to give but cannot. All that unspent love gathers up in the corner of your eyes, the lump in your throat, and in that hollow part of your chest. Grief is just love with no place to go. This idea that love and grief are closely related has helped me process grief and think about ways to healthily express it. And while grief is a universal, complex emotion that every single, normal person will experience in their life. Grief is oftentimes expressed differently across cultures. The article Death and Dying, How Different Cultures Deal with Grief and Mourning, argues that the Western world tends to experience and express grief on an individual level. Funerals tend to last one day, and then people tend to quietly stray away from the crowd to heal their own wounds. However, in more collectivist cultures, mainly found in the global East, grieving involves a community. For example, in India... Hindu families are immediately supported by other relatives and friends. They come together to engage in a 13-day elaborate ritual. In Tibet for Buddhist, there's a 49-day mourning period after a funeral. During the mourning period, families come together to make prayer flags and clay figures, all of which are expressions of collective grief. Apart from Eastern cultures, Native American cultures typically experience collective grief also. One tribe called the Lakota has a saying, and it means we're all related. This is used to express that anyone's death in the tribe is collectively experienced. According to the article, grieving times also vary by culture. In Egypt, seven years of crying is considered acceptable, healthy, and normal. However, in the West, this intensity and duration of grief would be labeled as a disorder after 12 months. In Bali, Indonesia, tearfulness isn't encouraged, and mourning is brief. Tears shouldn't touch the deceased body, as it will cause them to have a bad place in heaven. And if a person is crying for too long, it's thought to call bad spirits and possess the dead soul with unhappiness. So yeah, no matter how it's expressed, grief is universally experienced. And there's plenty of other emotions that are expressed differently from culture to culture. But anyway, why do we even need all these emotions? What purpose do they serve? Evolutionarily speaking, emotions serve as survival tools. Some emotions help us escape potentially dangerous events, and others help us better connect to one another. According to the YouTube video Emotion, Evolutionary Perspective, published by Dr. Andy Johnson, emotions aren't just physiological responses to events. They also help facilitate interpersonal or social actions or reactions that initially helped us survive individually and as a group. For example, sadness induces social bonding. Fear sparks the fight-or-flight response, anger triggers us to take action and or protect, worry makes us plan ahead, and disgust, well, that has a few purposes. It can make us not want to eat or bond with certain people. If we look at our history as a species, these emotions were critical to helping us maneuver risky situations, especially when there were daily severe threats from other animals, including humans, and the environment. Nowadays, we may not experience the same dangerous circumstances as our ancestors, but our emotions still help us navigate current threats, obstacles, and help us make decisions that, evolutionarily speaking, promote our survival and propagation as a species. According to a Yale professor and psychologist, Paul Bloom, we would do nothing at all without emotions to drive us, And emotions aren't just a human thing. Other animals experience them as well. In the article, What Kind of Emotions Do Animals Feel?, Karen Evans reports many animals are thought to be emotional beings. Primates, such as chimps and bonobos, as well as elephants and even rodents, are thought to have emotions, such as empathy and anguish. For example, Evan tells a story of Mama, an elderly ill chimp that was dying, and a biology professor named Jan Van Hoof. Van Hoof knew Mama for 40 years, and when he entered her enclosure, Mama welcomed him by reaching out and grinning. She embraced him and patted his head and neck in the same way chimps quiet a whimpering infant. This encounter showed an extreme case of what appeared to be empathy. She seemed to be comforting him. If emotions are experienced in other parts of the animal kingdom, we should pay attention. Emotions are natural, purposeful, and beautiful. They're there for a reason, and without them, our lives would be really bland. And, to be honest, we'd probably die really fast. Knowing what emotions are and understanding their purpose can help us in our daily life. They can help us be better in tune with our bodies, address the cause of our reaction, and reframe our thinking so we can have better control of our lives. Since emotions are rooted in an evolutionary purpose to help us survive— I wonder if we'll start experiencing new emotions that humans, or at least my generation, has never experienced before as we respond to modern challenges. I know that certain emotions are heightened right now. Currently, especially in America, we're facing an anxiety and loneliness epidemic. The pandemic really caused a lot of damage. Many people, including myself, are trying to find footing after a really emotional period, During that time, I experienced severe and constant anxiety as I worried about the health of my family members and my community, tried to find a job right after graduating, and tried to cope under really turbulent political times. Obviously, the pandemic also caused a disconnect worldwide. Sure, we have the internet, Zoom, and social media, but that can never replace true human in-person connection. The pandemic caused loneliness, and personally speaking, I feel like a lot of us lost the savvy to interact with others in the same way we did before the pandemic. Personally, I feel like I'm just coming out of hibernation, returning to my old self, and starting to socialize more. But the point is, we're experiencing certain intense emotions, and we're experiencing them for a reason. Even after the pandemic, my generation in the US is worried about high living prices, how to secure a well-paying job that doesn't suck the life out of us and enjoy relationships in a culture where life is centered around working. My generation is experiencing loneliness because we don't have a proper community to support and encourage us. Rather than interacting with one another in person, we're dependent on social media to stay connected. But in reality, this isn't true human connection. Not the kind of connection that our ancestors needed to survive. Social media is just a portal to see into other people's lives. Sure, it's possible to make real connections with others through it, but personally, I think we use social media to daydream and compare ourselves to others. In my opinion, though, strong emotions such as anxiety and loneliness are telling us something. Anxiety is the push to fix the problems we're experiencing in the world. We can't fix everything, but we can be somewhat proactive in some way or another. With loneliness it's our mind and our body's plea to connect with others. Humans are social animals, and we need healthy interactions with people. That means picking an interest, getting out of the house, being curious about the people and the world around you, and being open enough to allow connections to form. I should really take that advice, I'm very bad at that. Although we may express them differently, emotions are a shared human experience. With proper awareness, we can turn emotions into tools for connection and proactivity. With that being said, that concludes our fourth episode. If you like this episode, please consider leaving a review. Again, you're listening to Nomadicate, and I'm your host, Katie DeVille. Thank you for joining me today. And subscribe if you want to take your global citizenship to the next level and learn even more about our beautiful big world and some of the things and people that influence it. Thanks for being a global citizen, and thanks for tuning in. Bye for now, and remember to stay curious.